Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to TKO. I'm Joe together with 32 Red. Uh, we're coming to you from a place that I don't think I ever thought we would be. Um, this is Deer Lake Muhammad Ali's training camp throughout most of the 1970s. Now, for the hardcore fans of the sport, the, the man needs no explanation. For the casual fans of the sport, the same applies. He's probably the most famous sportsman of all time, let alone the most famous heavyweight boxer of all time. He was born in Louisville, Kentucky. He was a standout amateur in the 1950s, culminated his amateur career with a gold medal at the Rome Olympics in 1960, a light heavyweight, turned professional. And in an era where the civil rights movement was in full swing, America was deeply segregated. Um, black men and women were kind of forced into certain ways of behavior and being outspoken was, well, sincerely frowned upon. Muhammad Ali, or Cassius Clay as he was in the early 60s, was about as outspoken as anyone has ever been in that era. It was an era where he lost friends campaigning in the civil rights movement from Martin Luther King in 69, Malcolm X a few years earlier. He was brilliant inside the ring, he was brilliant out, and he was exiled um, as a result of fighting for his people. In 1967, the WBC and the WBA titles that he held after beating Sonny Liston in 64 were stripped of him when he refused to enter into the draft, go to Vietnam and fight a war on behalf of a country that he felt wasn't fighting for his rights as a black man in the country at the time. So he, he refused to step forward for the draft, was sentenced to prison time, was stripped of his belts, and essentially was exiled for about three years and was in the wilderness between 67 and 70, upon which time he returned. Now, he'd famously been based out of the Fifth Street Gym in Miami under the tutelage of the great Angelo Dundee, and it was then that he decided to make a few changes. He had two comeback fights and then, of course, fought Joe Frazier in that unbelievable fight of the century, lost that contest and felt that perhaps the media spotlight and the presence that was on him in terms of the public gaze and everything that he stood for was becoming a little too much. And he wanted to get away somewhere that was a little more peaceful. And that brings us here to Pennsylvania in the kind of deep countryside. It's a couple of hours drive from anywhere and this is Deer Lake, or Fighter's Heaven as he called it. It was a place that he built from scratch, um, a number of log cabins that took a couple of years to put up, a gym, living quarters, cooks, and this is where he based himself for much of the 70s, which was kind of the renaissance of his career, the second part of his career, where, of course, he fought Joe Frazier three times, Larry Holmes, George Foreman, and it was really the era that defined his legacy. So today, we're gonna to be walking around this incredible place with two tour guides who know the man well, knew the man very, very well, David Krause and uh, Sam Matter with their expertise and their memories. Uh, this is Deer Lake, and this is TKO. Let's go for a tour. This is the legend of Cassius Clay, the most beautiful fighter in the world today. <laughs> he talks a great deal and brags indeedy of a muscular punch that's incredibly speedy. Those were, um, the boxers used to live in those. Right. Sparring boxers and all used to live in those. You know, different La people. Larry Holmes here. was here a lot in the early 70s, wasn't he? Yeah, I was here, I guess when Larry Holmes put, put Ollie on the, on the canvas. Really? Yeah. So you saw that? Yeah. Because some yeah. of the spars, I mean, there's some old footage of the spars yeah. here in the cabin, yeah. Yeah. and it was, hardcore sparring I mean, yeah. there was no holding yeah. back it was war oh no well he would bring he, he brought him in to fight uh george foreman you know, the hard yeah. hitters you know 
We really got on him. You yeah, know? yeah. And he was gone the next day. He was out. He was trying to make a name for himself. Yeah. He was gone. So. So you grew up. Just I grew down up the road. just uh, up the street. Well, let's walk and talk. We'll, we'll head up this way. Yeah. How much of the of kind of a buzz was there around this this town and this sort of constituency when the news broke that he was going to set up camp here? Was it a he huge was thing? very well accepted. You know what was I mean? It? it was you know after the six. Is it during the sixties? You know, and then the civil rights thing and all. To me, it was, you know, wow, you know, this is, you know, it wasn't a matter of white or black. It was the guy came to our area. And actually, I was around it because in 66, when Ernie Terrell came here mm. to fight, and I was probably maybe 66, I was 10 years old. And I remember riding on a school bus and seeing this guy jogging along the school bus, 66, you know, and I'm like thinking, a big guy. Yeah. You know, of course, when Ollie fought him, he taunted him. He, he didn't put him down. He tortured him because... Ernie Terrell wouldn't call him by Muhammad Ali. He says, Cassius Clay, you know, what's my name? Was, yeah. he, what's my name? What's my name? Mm -hmm. Of course, he defeated him, but he could have put him out in the earlier rounds, mm -hmm. you know. It was torture, but wasn't it? It was, for him it was. As we walk inside the gym here, you're going to see some fantastic pictures. The pictures itself say a thousand words. Yeah. I hate to be cliche-ish, but it's all about the, the, the pictures. Uh, as you can see here, Howard Bingham, who's was, was, was on that plaque outside, he took a lot of the photos of Ali over his career, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Over here is how it basically started. Here's the salt mine. This is where Archie Moore, they, they sent him out there to train when he, when he first signed on as a, as a professional. <laughs> He's young there as well. Oh my God, yeah. That's like early 60s, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Oh, no, well, no, maybe not, maybe not. Oh yes, it is the it early, is right after, the, after he, he won the, uh, the uh, gold medal. He was the light heavyweight champ. Yeah, in the, the gold yeah. medal mm. in the Olympics. Uh, but they made him into a heavyweight because he had the frame. Archie Moore had him doing everything but in the ring. So, so the, Ali says to him at the time, Cassius Clay says, I'm not training, I'm not boxing. Oh, yes, you are. What do you mean? He said, I'm not in the ring. I'm not you know, moving around. He said, no, I'm teaching you discipline. I'm teaching you discipline. But this is the start of it. This is the start of the the camp itself, and it was just kind of barren. There wasn't anything here. I tell people, I tell young students when they come here, I tell the teachers, I tell everyone, in order to be very good at something, you got to practice it. I always look at this, it has a great meaning. Mm. You know, you, you never see who, what, why, or when the success that they have. You just see under the lights. To see under the lights. The fistic world was dull and weary. With a champ like Liston, things had to be dreary. <laughs> then someone with color, someone with dash, brought fight fans a running with cash. We snuck up here. It was before the, the, the Frazier fight. And we came up and there was people all around the gym. We couldn't get into place. So we snuck around at a back door here, this back door back here. This was, came out further, and it was a, it was a, a boxer's room, rubdown room at all. Mm. So we snuck in the door, and Budidi Brown was back here, and he went, he went like this, shh, he said, come on in. Well, he opened the door up, while he was sitting in the corner of that ring, and there was people here, and he was sitting down, talking very softly. He used to do that to command respect so people would listen. And that lower door down there uh, came swinging open, and out came a gorilla. 
and he's jumping around, and Ollie jumped up in his quiet talk and said, there's Joe Frazier. He's too ugly to be champion. <laughs> he says, and, 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 and that's that whole thing yeah, started. Yeah, of course. That, the, the, that whole, yeah. you, you've seen that, you know? Yeah. And they're, I'm going to fight him now. Hold me back. And they're holding him back. Yeah. And it was all this really a political. Uh, 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 and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, he's, you know, he's, he's making fun of him, mm. you know? <laughs> this brash young boxer is something to see, and the heavyweight championship is his destiny. He was a good man. He was a... Uh, uh, he knew how he knew how to get to his opponents, and he knew how to promote. But I guess the, the the amazing thing now is when you think how secretive sparring sessions are amongst the big the, the, right. the main sort of protagonists mm -hmm. in the sport. As a member of the public, you couldn't go in and watch Canelo Alvarez spar. Right. You couldn't go and watch you know Anthony Joshua spar. But in those days, he would openly invite members of the public to come and sit in and right. watch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is so it seems so I, strange. I think uh, I think. Um, the rope-a-dope, we didn't know it was a rope-a-dope, but I remember them playing with the ropes, size of the ring, looseness of the ropes, yeah, so, he could, so that yeah. he could lean and get back. You know, all of that stuff was negotiated before these fights of what they would agree to. And uh, I remember the reporter saying, so you at the age of what knew about the rope-a-dope before it was even a thing, known yeah. as a rope-a-dope? I mm. said, yeah, we didn't know it was called that, but <laughs> I, after this all happened, it's yeah. like, that's what they were doing up there. They were playing with the ropes, making it so that he could lean back because he was so fast. He could lean back and, and get away from these, these punches, tire the guy out, you know? Sparring these days, a lot of it's technical work and guys will have a certain amount mm -hmm. of respect. But from the clips I've seen, those two, they yeah. just went toe to toe. Can you remember hearing it and watching it, thinking this is just vicious? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, you, when you heard that that hit, that leather, boom, boom. It's like, how can they not go down? Mm. You know, we're going with it. You know, absorbing it. You, that shock absorber getting away from it. You're still getting hit. I don't care what it is. Mm. You know. So how many people when you when you would come up here? How many people <clears throat> would would be up here? Sometimes there wouldn't be anybody up here. You know, we would come up at nighttime and. He'd say, come on back up, and, you know, we'll, we'd sit over in the corner here and watch reel-to-reel -reel films of Jack Johnson, which you got his style really? from, all these old fights, and then he'd send somebody out, he'd say, okay, get some ice cream, and he'd bring ice, they'd bring ice cream back for the kids and stuff, you know. But it was just, like I said, it was just a different time, you know what I mean? And, and when he was in Deer Lake, I rode my bike there, and when I got my license in the, the 16, and they built this up here in 71, and I could drive up, I'd bring my buddies up, you know. It was a neat time, you know. Did you understand, like... As a kid, you obviously don't understand the historical relevance of what you're, what you're going through, because I suppose it was relatively normal for you, but did you understand how special it was? Well, somewhat, you know, but more so later in life, it's like, yeah. man, we, live, we really lived a part of history here <laughs> yeah. that kind of took for granted it mm. was here. I can remember was. there was an interview he did mm -hmm. with, I think when he very first yeah. opened it, maybe it was David Frost, it was with CBS, I think, yeah. and they sat in the ring and did the interview. Yeah, yes. That yeah, may have been yeah. before one of the Frasier fights, but I can yeah. remember seeing that interview. Yeah. And actually, as soon as I walked in here, I thought, yeah, this is, this is exactly mm -hmm. what it mm -hmm. looked and felt like. Mm -hmm. And they had an audience on kind of stools and stuff mm -hmm. sitting around here. I think that was the thing about him. He was so famous, but his accessibility at the same time mm -hmm. was almost mm -hmm. unrivaled given how famous he was. Right. Did you get that sense when you were around him that he was an accessible man that you could just be around Yeah, him? yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we took tours and we went down into his bunkhouse one day. We were here and he was giving tours and we just kind of followed along. And I remember him going into his bunkhouse and saying, this is where he, he lives. He says, I'm so fast when I turn the lights out. I'm in bed before it gets dark. <laughs> One of my favorites, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> I've heard him, I heard him actually say that here. You Did know you hear him say that? Yeah, he said it to those people here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This kid fights great. He's got speed and endurance. But if you sign to fight him, increase your insurance. <laughs> we move on here. Um, we have a picture of Elvis Presley, and some people will tell you he was here. We leave that as urban legend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I always like to believe that it was, so I'll... Uh, we'll let it go. I'll make my own mind up. Here's, here's Aunt Coretta. They brought her in to do the, the cooking for the champ. Uh, and then we'll go over into the kitchen. She, we have her sayings there. Uh, uh, she had, she had, it was her, her, her kitchen. Don't go near that kitchen. She okay. chased you right out, they claim. <laughs> I, I, you know, I wasn't here. In here is the, uh, the rub-down room. And... Uh, we're trying to replicate something. Women come in here right away and they say, oh, is this a, is this a, a, a sauna to go in? <laughs> no, no, no. It looks like it. It, do, it does you know, seem like a sauna, but they put all of his uh, uh, robes in there and all of the towels when he get rubbed down. Yeah, yeah. He'd sit here and hold court. There are some writings. I don't know if he can capture it. Uh, uh, when he would doodle after, a, uh, after his workout that day. Oh, is, the, is this the... Is this the original? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. This is the original. So there's like a height chart here. Uh, I guess for some of the kids, maybe, who were yeah. coming in and measuring yeah. themselves. Um, wow, names of people. Yes. Oh, Muhammad's cheerleaders. Yeah. And there's a list of women there. <laughs> it's quite the, uh, you know, quite the I iconic part, if you will, you know, to preserve the history of it. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Come on, we'll take you into the kitchen where the champ had all of his meals. Rules of my kitchen, spelled K-Y-T-C-H-E-N. That's Aunt Coretta. You know, um, uh, she got her point across. Caught your eye, I'm sure, <laughs> like it catches everybody's eye. Please but Aunt Coretta was a, uh, this was the, uh, as far as you would get. Okay, so that was off limits, me. right. Cooking for a lot of hungry mouths every day. Three meals a day. Three meals a day. Probably, and you probably got uh, some extras a sandwich or course, yeah. all he loved is chocolate cake. Steak and chocolate cake. <laughs> this kid's got a left. This kid's got a right. If he hits you once, you're asleep for the night. You want to pl play what you can play with the bell? Come on, we'll go over here. We'll I want to play with the bell. I want to play with the well. We'll get the well run. <laughs> we'll get the run. All you got to do is pull on it. But every morning at 4.30, this bell rings. And then he points up there and he said, every one of those fighters up there have to be dressed and ready to go at 5 a.m. Oh. And, and, and uh, he, they ring the bell. Pull it and let it go. Pull it again, let it go. Okay. You have to pull it harder. Just hold on to it. Yeah. There okay. you go. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, he talked about drinking the well water. There you go. And this is start, the well. Start pumping it. If you pump it, go ahead, you can pump it. We'll let you pump it. The kids have a great time with this. We bring this, the kids. This is a good pumping. workout in itself. It's a workout. There you go. Oh. It's cold as ice. Oh, on a day like today. That's good. <laughs> oh, that's really good. This is where, where Ali uh, lived when he they built this special cabin for him. He wanted to live like uh, his ancestors. There was no running water in there. The heat was supplied by a coal burner, and you'll see that when we go in, in there. And uh, no electricity. You live by lamp. So come on in. Welcome to uh, the Ali cabin. This is so cool. So, so cool. 
As you can see, we've tried to replicate it to the best of our ability. It's great. Yeah. And as you lie on the floor while the ref counts ten, you pray that you won't have to fight me again. All these rocks as you see them, it was Cassius Clay Sr. that uh, painted them. Mm. And they all have a, a, a significance to Muhammad Ali, why he was so successful, who he admired. Uh, he wanted to, uh, to make sure that, uh, that those names were also preserved. Rocky Marciano, the only undefeated heavyweight champion. People don't know that. Uh, 49 and 0. Yeah. You guys would know, you're very big boxing fans. <laughs> the average boxing fan may not know it. Uh, they they try to bring uh, Larry Holmes out of retirement. He was 48, 48 and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he got beat. And that was the end of his yeah. his ambition. There's Angelo Dundee, his trainer, uh, a rock dedicated to him. Wow. Uh, Archie Moore, uh, the champ gave him a, a shot at the title. Archie Moore. You got Joe Frazier in his over early here. days, wasn't it? He said I was gonna. He said I'm gonna button the the lip of the, the Louisville lip. <laughs> but they, but so then were they? You you mentioned that. They were, they were speaking in later life. Did they kind of become friends later on? Because oh I actually didn't God, like yeah. him yeah. to start with. After Ali was done beating up on his opponents, they became friends, even with Joe Frazier. Uh, if, if he, Joe made a trip up here. So it's, um, you know, sports is a little different than people understand. You know, the, uh, the spewing of the hatred today. But in sports, you, 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 know, you don't care for that guy. You really hate him. Not hate him. Hate him is a very strong word. When you beat the opponent or the opponent beats you, you gain a tremendous amount of respect. That respect, respect goes a long, long way. You're, you're all friends. And, and that's what separates every, you know, sports is so, it's the great, I, as a sports writer, I, I, I wrote sports for 42 years. As a sports writer, I always called it, I realized, I should say, that sports is the it's the bridge that brings everybody together. Great equalizer. And, and it, right, it's a it's the equalizer, and you see all these rocks and and they have not been touched since uh, Ali's dad painted them back in the. This all started in 1971. Uh, it was a it, it it was a dream eventually of Ali how he wanted to make this thing work. Mm. You know, I've been on the borough council, council president since 81 in Deer Lake, and he put our little borough on the map. Yeah, he did, I didn't mean, he? And it's interesting because I would vacation or go somewhere, and, and my actual mailing address is Orangeburg, but people would say, where are you from? I'd say, Deer yeah, Lake. Right. And I would do it just to see how many, if, if people are boxing enthusiasts or fans or whatever, and they'd say, is it not the home of Mahalo Valley? Mm. I said, yes, you know. But uh, he did, he put, uh, he put Deer Lake on the map. Well, as someone yeah. that lived just south yeah. of London in the, in the little English countryside, yeah. I, I've wanted to come here since yeah. I was sort of 14, 15. So to come here to, to speak to someone that grew up here and, yeah. and meet Ali here and be around some of those times that I've read about and seen old videos of, is, is, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is. So thank you very much for your, for yeah. your time. Because for me, it's, it's like a time capsule so to come right. back and yes. actually just be here and just yes. try and get a sense of what it might have been like in yeah. a golden era that it's very hard to get a sense of what it was like you can look back and you can watch videos, you can read paper articles, but you can never truly know what it was like to be around the magic of somebody when, you know, I was born after he retired. So to, to be here is it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. For me, it's brilliant. For I am the man this poem is about, the next champ of the world, there isn't a doubt. This I predict, and I know the score. I'll be champ of the world in 64. <laughs> he loved it here. 
He just, this is where all you love, you love here. This has been just, I'm, just, I had I'm such a great day. Thank you, I'm so pleased. Well, another episode of TKO on Joe together with 32 Red Dun and Dusted. It's taken us to some pretty special locations. This, for me so far, has been the most memorable, something I've wanted to do for half my life. It's come to Deer Lake, take a look around it. But having done so with David Krause and uh, Sam Matter, with their expertise and their memories has made it even more special. So thank you very much to both gents. Um, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.